So our boy CJ, Chris Johnson, at Reporter Chris, jumped on a podcast today called the DFO Hockey Rundown. It's with Frank Cervelli and Jason Greger. And Jason Greger, one of the hosts of the podcast, brought up that he had heard a rumor Zach Hyman turned down $5 million per year with the Leafs. No term, nothing more than just $5 million. So who knows what that's worth. CJ's response was he believes Hyman's going to get more than that. I trust CJ a lot. I think that he's very plugged into this, and especially when he says things like, I'm very confident. The Zach Hyman question is one that we've been kicking around the last couple of days. Is like, what is the value of Zach Hyman truly? And if you lose him for nothing, how big of a deal is that? And I, I should say quickly that losing someone for nothing is always a bit of an over-exaggeration because it's like, you got him for what? I think it was Greg McKegg, and you got years of real production with your core, real meaningful growth from Zach Hyman, development within your system, but to lose him for nothing in return at this point, let's put it, to me would be devastating. I, I don't know how the Leafs overcome that in an offseason where they're quote-unquote looking for a killer instinct or looking to take a step. But I'm with CJ here from this regard. I cannot see a scenario where Zach Hyman doesn't get more than $5 million a year. Like, I've seen some people try to pencil him in for this massive hometown discount. Like, I saw one thing that was like four and a half, right? Or it was a projection. I was like, four and a half. So... Let's say this is the only contract this guy's going to get. Like, mm-hmm. Zach Hyman's Especially not getting... the way he, he plays and the injuries he's already sustained throughout the course of his right. career. He's, he's 28 years old. I, he's turning 29 this week. He's 29 years old. He's going to get one kick at the can with this. His injuries, his style of play, all of those things. If he can get a five-year deal then he's got to try and get that. If he can get a four-year deal, there's no like short-term contract coming for Zach Hyman. He's what term is going to be of unbelievable importance for him. So what? He's going to leave $5 million on the table? Like what has taken him two years to earn over his last contract? He's going to leave that off the table in form of hometown discount? Like, What is the case for Zach Hyman taking less? That's all I want to know from Leafs fans, where they're like, hey, Zach Hyman, can you take less? The case is, okay, so you're more beloved here? So you're the Impossible. guy that... He's already the most beloved, but right. they believe, outside of the stars. He's already that. Is it that, okay, he's the one guy, that he's devoid of criticism if this team mm-hmm. continues to fail? I mean, maybe a little... Because yes, he won't be those guys, but he'll still be the he'll be one of the guys that was on the most disappointing team in the history of the franchise. No, there's only down like yes, the money is significant. Why would he just because you try to project what he is on the ice to what he would be in his personal life that he's the guy that sacrifices, right? Because on the ice he sacrifices. So you're like, well, when he negotiates, he'll just take that same mentality. As the guy who puts his body on the line, that plays in a playoff game with a torn-up knee, well, he's he looks around and he sees a bunch of skilled players who didn't sacrifice, who got paid to the hilt, but you know what? The reason he's carved out a niche on this team is because he sacrificed. He's going to do it again in the no- negotiating room. No, he's not an idiot, and why should he be? I will always, always, always revert back to 
spitting chicklets when they got Sidney Crosby. And they asked him about taking less. And when he talked about taking less, and the, the risk he took in doing it was Malkin had not yet signed his deal. But he hoped that if he signed for less, that Malkin would too. And it worked. And then what else happened? Other guys signed for less. How could you take the max when you had Sidney Crosby who was making financial sacrifices? And can a guy like Sidney Crosby make it up in ways that you can't as a guy who's around the fringes? Of course. But he still did it, and you still felt like you were building a winner. I'm sure Zach Hyman is torn in the sense of this. He's from here. I guarantee he loves being a Toronto Maple Leaf. I guarantee he loves... Zach Hyman gets ads here. I don't know if he's going to get ads in places where it's not a leaf. Maybe he does if it's Edmonton that plucks him because it's got to be like a hockey, hockey market. He's found success at a leaf, as a leaf. He gets to play on a top line as a leaf. He's loved as a leaf, and he could get paid as a leaf. He could make a lot of good money. I'm sure he's more confident that this group can win than a lot of people are that have watched them flame out year over year at this point. But if he is looking at it rationally, he's like, so what? I'm going to sacrifice potentially upwards of $5 million total. $5 million mm-hmm. to stay here where we're going to have to make an adjustment to the roster if I stay at that money anyway. Like, that's not a that's a non-starter number for this team for a forward. It just is, and we've seen why. Because they've had this group, and it hasn't been able to get out of the first round, and that's maybe it can. That's half of the 11 million bucks right. that you're talking about with yep. now nine spots to fill. Sort, it gets impossible, right? But, like, why? Why, what? What he does he really feel as though now there's this incredible momentum building towards I, I think Zach Hyman can have the best of both worlds. If he leaves, I don't believe anybody's gonna fault him because people are gonna look at it and say, Why should he have taken less when no one else did? And it's already very uh player friendly. This is what I find so funny about, you know, people who get upset about media criticizing players. It's like first of all, um media and Athletes both deal with social media hate. They both do. And there's this like immense coddling of like, oh, wow, you really have to look out for social media hate for like, you don't think about this, you don't think about this, and then people will just like throw the most vicious things at media members. I'm like, <laughs> you know what media members get paid compared to uh, athletes? Like, yeah, it's fractions. I don't know where I was going with this. The guy lost the plot. Oh, you were saying that Zach Hyman's going to get the best of both worlds when he is not derided. He doesn't return to Toronto as a visiting player, and it's like, boo, you left, you abandoned us. No, No, he's the heart and soul player. He's the only guy that gave a crap basically all season long since he started. The questions about his finishing, guy was on a 30-goal pace. Like, yeah, he left it on the line. He... not getting off a sinking ship, but it's 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 going to be. Hey, man, there's lots of fans that abandoned this team. If you did for six million bucks, how can we blame you? Zach Hyman has played with the Leafs, has become a beloved Toronto Maple Leaf. Can go away for four or five years, go get the bag, and then when that contract is up, return to the Leafs on a Wayne Simmons slash Spezza deal. Once he's already gotten his money, close his career where he's from and go down as somebody who's an ambassador making those sweet ambassador checks and running around doing the odd interview and the odd 
car sales ad, whatever, for the rest of his life. Yes, the whole idea that he can't get back here in some way is ludicrous. And if anything, he must be looking at it saying, why don't I do this like Joe Thornton and like Wayne Simmons and like Jason Spezza, where I go somewhere, get the bag, show up, be a vet, have way less expectations of me, still play hard, and have everybody love me more than anybody else. Duh! The idea that he has to stay and take less money to get everything people think is possible. You want to talk about things the veteran guys have shown the young Maple Leafs? How about they showed them that? That you just need to close your career here, score 12 goals, and you'll be loved forever by a fan base that has nothing, (laughs) nothing, nothing to cling to. So go get your money, Zach Hyman. It sucks. I hate it. If it's me... I know what I prioritize. I prioritize a trade that makes room for you. I prioritize a trade that makes room for a Zach Hyman at a five and a half million dollars. And that's the compromise you make. You don't ask him to take five and sacrifice a million dollars a year on a five-year contract. You don't ask him to take less than five, certainly. We were having conversations about where this guy was in terms of the team's most important players all year long. Have we forgotten this? Do people believe that losing the Energizer Bunny, the guy that holds everybody accountable with effort level, the guy who is always around the net, who plays fearless hockey in front of it, is somehow not super valuable to this team? He's going to walk and you're going to replace him with what exactly? Over and over and over again with the Toronto Maple Leafs, we've said what they need is diversity in the lineup. And fine. I guess because of one loss now, everyone's going to look at it and say, go back to just all skills, small guys, get bullied around. That's going to be what the closing or the killer instinct is. There's nobody on this team I trust more in terms of consistency than Zach Hyman. Austin Matthews is right there, but it's Zach Hyman because you know what you're getting every single freaking night. For a team that's been as inconsistent as these guys and just folded in the playoffs yet again and couldn't find that consistency, I just I don't know how you let that walk. And so there's going to be the people that say you're overpaying for intangibles. I think Zach Hyman gives it to you in every No, but there's way. tangibles. There's tangibles, what are we right? About? But, yeah, but, that's, he, play, he plays in all he's no, like Zach uh, like Mitch Marner, he plays in all special teams instances. Yep. He plays at the top of the lineup. He scores goals. There's yep. been an increased level of skill if you've watched the man play, and now he's going to mm-hmm. join Connor Brown and Andreas Janssen and Kasperi Kapanen on the long list of guys who, hey, it's it's nice to pay Mitch Marner close to $11 million bucks, and when he's throwing up a 100-point season, you say that's worth it, but he's going to be head of the class of the guys who were cap casualties. What I think you can try and do is if you offer him the five and a half, the real sticking point has to come down to the years. Would he sacrifice one less year? Because the, the Hyman question to me is not risky. Is Zach Hyman worth five and a half million? Yes. Uh, very, very, very obviously yes. The problem is, is that, again, he's 29 years old and paying into ages 33, 34, Zach Hyman might get a little bit more difficult for you. That said, I, I don't really view it as a big problem. Those are usually the contracts that you give out in the NHL historically that kind of bite you in the ass when you overpay for, like, Andrew Ladd. Um, that you can make that comparison to Zach Hyman. I get it's a natural one, but to me, it's just a scenario where you say, okay, you're trying to capitalize on the Austin Matthews years, 
and your whole case is that you can make this core four work, but it's going to cost you guys that are top six forwards that are just outside the quote-unquote core four, wherever you want to put Zach Hyman, like the... To me, he's a core five. Like, if we're talking about the Leafs, he should be core five, and they can't make it fit with the financial model they have. I just... It's really, really, really hard to understand how they would ever have a scenario play out where he leaves you, you recoup no asset in return, and you twist your mind into thinking that this team can improve from a talent roster winning standpoint next year. And a narrative one, because it's you listen to Marner and Matthews speak, you look at the things that they lacked in the killer instinct, and you look at him and what he brings to this team, and that those guys are back. And even the idea that they might possibly not be back Mm -hmm. is laughed out of the room. And one of the first moves that happens is Zach Hyman signed somewhere out uh, else on the open market. It is uh, it's going to be a bitter pill to swallow. I'm not enjoying it, but yeah, all the the idea that he might take less seems to be waning more and more and more. And again, wouldn't blame him at all. Uh, You're right, though. I think a lot of people took a leap of, hey, this guy sacrifices on the ice. Why won't he sacrifice in the pocketbook? And yeah. He's not going to do that. That he's going to be the precedent center setter. He's he's going to be the guy where maybe Zach, if he's like, yeah, give you. me the give me the C, give me the C, and I'll do it. I'll I'll take some money for the C, uh, but probably not. Uh, so enjoy Edmonton, I guess. Zach Hyman. Boy, that would um, hurt. Yep. Oh yeah, it's a good show. Sportsnet five nine. The fan Ben Ennis. J.D. Vonkis, uh, Mark Scheifele speaking to the media right now and uh, will not appeal his four-game suspension for his hit on Jake Evans as he doesn't want to be a distraction. So that's in the books. It is officially officialized, I suppose, right now. Let's talk to Shane O'Brien, former NHL defenseman, host of uh, Missing Curfew. What's going on, Shane? How are we doing, boys? Doing, doing good. Right. I hate this suspension, though. I, I really do. I like, I want to just see Mark Shifley play. I know it's his fault, and I know that people have debated and discussed it, but did you did you think four games was fair? No, four games is way too much. Um, you know, I thought it was going to be – honestly, is the hit a suspension? No, the hit's not a suspension at all. But um, when I first saw it, you know, I didn't know what to think because, you know, obviously it's an empty netter and, and evidence. And that spins around the net with his head down, and Shifley skate back. And you know, Shifley, there, there's no question he played the, that game one with a little, you know, burr up his butt, and he was upset. And hey, listen, that's playoff hockey. And um, did he have to hit him there? No, he didn't have to hit him, but he did. He kept his head down, his shoulder down. Um, he drilled Evans like what, like Paul Maurice said, it was a heavy, heavy hit. And unfortunately, Evans hits his head on the ice. Um, I talked to a lot of ex guys, guys that. I played against. It, it's a split 50-50. Some guys said, you know, he shouldn't be suspended. Other guys thought it was a suspension. Other guys thought it was really, really bad. But um, I guess my bottom line is, boys, he didn't have to hit him there, and I guess I wish he didn't. Yeah, I wish he didn't too because I just yeah. thought this series – It's this series is obviously a lot better with the best player that is playing in it, and that's Mark Shifley. And losing him and losing what he brings to playoff games, it just, yeah, it puts a real damper on this series. And so, yeah, it sucks. And But ultimately, again, it is his fault because he didn't have to hit him. And, 
you know, you and I might not like it. It is what it is at this point, and they got to accept it. Do you think that the Jets can win without him? Like, what, what do you think the odds are that this series isn't kind of in the bag by the time he gets back now? Well, like you said, it's definitely a big blow. And, and you know, as a fan of hockey now, you want to see the best players this time of year. Whether it's, a, you know, like the injury to Tavares in, in game one of that series was terrible. A, because it would look terrible, and B, because he was done for the series. And, um, you know, you work so hard as a player to get in the, you know, an opportunity to play for the playoffs, and when your guys go down, it sucks. So, um, listen, I, I bet Winnipeg in game one, um, they were flat. You know, you saw you saw Colorado coming against Vegas in game one, arrested team and absolutely pump them. You saw a, a rusty, sloppy Winnipeg team. Um, no, I don't think the series is over, but Montreal's got some mojo going. Corey Perry, the worm, turning the clocks back. I mean, this guy's continuing to do it. Uh, Eric Stahl's doing it. Uh, Gallagher's playing well. And then their big back end with Webb, Edmondson, uh, the list goes on and on. And then obviously Carey Price, man. I, I told my boy Steve Coolis all year, Coolis was worried about his you know, regular season numbers and this and that. I said, Coolis, when Carey Price gets between the pipes in the playoff series, I would still probably pick him number one in the NHL. Yeah, I don't know how many times we need to learn this lesson about playoffs being different than regular seasons, but it's like every year we do it all the same. Everyone's like, Carey Price is washed. Carey Price sucks. There was this one quote that floated around about, uh, I think it was Andrew Patterson from Winnipeg who had it, where someone asked a player after the player poll as to why Carey Price got voted the best goalie, and the guy just responded, because Carey Price is the man. And I watched that playoff series, and I'm like, I don't know how you couldn't just get that. You just get it now, right? Like, everybody watched that, and you're like, you yeah. get it? Like, it, that's it, all you needed to say. He's the man. You know what, boys? It's crazy, though. And, and as a player, I was the type of guy that I looked forward to playoff hockey. I was better come playoff time than the regular season for – a few different reasons, but it, it, it's crazy. It's something that, you know, I feel for these GMs, right? Like, you got to build a team that's good enough, fast enough, skilled enough to get you in the playoffs. And then when you get in the playoffs, you need a team that's big and physical that can play every other night and, and wants to compete and guys that want to finish their check. So, it's uh, – I love our game. I think it's the best sport in the world, but it's crazy how much it changes from regular season to playoff hockey. Yeah, uh, the local team has a pretty good idea about that, uh, I would say. <laughs> yeah. And, you yeah. know, I, I defended them during the regular season when we we had conversations with people who weren't watching the North Division but were watching the others and, and the, the Golden Knights and the Avalanche, the way they were playing and how different it was and how they were going to get smashed once they got out of the North Division. Well, couldn't get out of the first round of the North Division. And, hey, we're putting the cart before the horse here because we just mentioned Carey Price. I mean, he could single-handedly win a, a third-round series. But I think we're getting closer and closer, Shane, to the point of, hey, the, the realization that we did watch a division and some of the takeaways that we had for the Toronto Maple Leafs, even during a very good regular season, were very much impacted by the fact that this division ain't that good and the rest of the league is so much better. Yeah, unfortunately, that's just the truth, right? You saw it with Edmonton. And another thing that playoff hockey does is, you know, it really it shows the holes of your hockey club right away. Like, you can see it, Edmonton. We all know what Connor did and the year Dreisaitl had. And, you know, my boy Tyson Bear in the back end. But as soon as they started playing that game, you know, the first round against Winnipeg, you're like, wow, they have no depth. You know, Cassian played well, but other than that, um, they had no depth, and they got swept. And for Toronto, it was just, you know, if I'm the Toronto Maple Leafs, if, if I'm Mitch Marner, 
You know, I'm watching Braden Point the rest of the way in the playoffs. Just watch Braden Point. I'm not saying he could be Braden Point someday, but he finishes his checks. And just the whole league team in general, when you watch Tampa play now, no, they're not going to fight their way out of a building. But I'm telling you, you know, they all finish their checks. They all play the right way. And, and the Leafs just need to learn that. And they will, boys. They will. But, um, unfortunately, I learned the hard way. And my opinion, in game five, they thought it was going to be easy. And Montreal came out and got two early ones. And, and um, you know, we all know what happened after that. Yeah, man. There, there's a little, like we talked about it, there's a front-runner element to this Leafs team. That they were really good. That when and they said it all the time, like we're a good team that's playing with the lead. And did they come back in a couple of games? Of course they did. But just the way that they could not start in those games, these meaningful games, game six and game seven especially, like how disappointing that was. It's hard not to take that and then go into bigger takes about you know the character in your room, the character with your group, and whether or not you have that it factor or as Brendan Shanahan's calling it the last couple of days, that killer instinct. And yeah, you're somebody who is really well connected you do talk to a lot of guys around the league you would have talked to guys about the hit like you mentioned what's everybody mostly saying about the Leafs in terms of just their group their core and whether it's flawed or whether it's a run back I'm guessing that it's like everybody else and that it's kind of a split thing right yeah I mean listen I love watching our awesome Matthews play and, and I think Mitch Barner skills through the roof but you know you look at Brandon Gallagher's face at the end of the series, and you look at Mitch Marner's face. I mean, Gallagher had cuts and scratches and this and that. And, and you know, Mitch Marner, he could have went to a photo shoot. Like, it, it's just, you know, I'm not saying Mitch Marner's got to go out there and, and run a guy into the third row, but you got to go into the dirty areas where you may get hit with a stick. And then when I watched that seven-game series, I don't think they didn't work hard. I thought they worked hard. They just got to get a little bit dirtier, and that will come with time. Um, I think they have a lot of money wrapped up in their, in their forwards. Um, I think their defense was, was okay. It's good enough. I would still like to see some more size on the back end. I think they need more veteran size. And um, goaltending was definitely not their problem. So, listen, they have a great core, guys. Um, you know, if I'm Mitch Marner, though, I'm looking in the mirror being like, I got to play harder come playoff time, and I got to get a little bit dirtier. And, boys, you got to get uncomfortable. Playoffs make guys uncomfortable. You got to go to the uncomfortable areas and do what you don't do in the regular season, and the Leafs still don't do that come playoff time. I but how, how do you develop that? Like, what are we talking about? Like, that, that's the, we've We're been ta- talking about that. With the, with the, how do you develop that? We talked about that less than a year ago. That was 10 months ago, and that was the knock on, on Mitch Marner, who at the time, I guess, was minus seven, had gone 11 straight playoff games without uh, a playoff goal. Exactly. You just go to the net. You go to the dirty areas. You try to find a way to score a goal. You don't turn pucks over at inside your blue line. You don't turn pucks inside your own blue line. Um you do stuff that you're not used to doing. And will Mitch Marner ever do it? I'm not sure, boys. I played with a ton of guys that had great regular seasons and come game one of the playoffs. And however long we went, I went to the second round three times where they were invisible. They were, they were invincible. And they were great team guys, great guys in the dressing room. They just come playoff time. It's different, and they couldn't turn it up a notch. Now, Kyle Dubas has a decision to make. Does he think Mitch Marner will be that player? Because if he's not, listen, I trip William Nylander more than anyone. He was unbelievable. But he could still be a little more aggressive and go to the net a little bit harder. But he scored goals, so no one's going to say anything. I just think their team in general, they have to go to those dirty areas more, boys, because it's playoff, playoff time not to be scoring goals. Yeah, I just um, – it's hard to look at it and think that they're going to take an improvement when the guy you're talking about when it comes to dirty areas and the guy that gets hard on pucks and everything is Zach Hyman. And 
there's just like more and more indication yeah. that that Toronto is going to lose that guy, that someone's going to end up paying him. And if you look at it, it's just, yes, you know why is because every team wants someone who shows up to the rink the same way all season long, a guy that you can trust in the playoffs, a guy that just like, I don't know how many times he just wore one after coming back from an injury with Shea Weber, one of the nastiest guys in the league, just like lumber in the spine time and time again, still goes back, still keeps showing up there. I, it's hard to imagine Hyman's going to take a big hometown discount, but if Toronto loses him, like, what do you think about that team? Like, how important do you think Zach Hyman is to this Leafs team? I think he's very important. I also think if he had a little bit more finish this play in that first round, maybe it's a different story. But, yeah, I mean, he's the prime example. If you're like, you know, Marner or guys like this, just watch his compete level and watch where he goes and, you can't put that in people. That's what Hyman, you know, that's why he's in the NHL. But I don't want to just blame the top guys because I love Austin Matthews. But I'm talking like Kerfoot and uh, Engvall. That's how you say his name, right? Engvall? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Engvall is the yeah. king of not finishing Engvall, a check. I mean, he's a tap guy. I, yeah, I, don't even, I, don't, I don't even know if they had to wash his uniform the whole playoff. Or, what, or I don't know if he had a scrape on his visor or if he had to recape his stick. I mean, you know, and then the unfortunate things, listen. Everybody loves Joe Thornton. Wayne Simmons is an absolute warrior. I've had my battles with him. And Spezza played well. But those three guys that they brought in that I thought were great moves, which they were, they just, besides Spezza, didn't quite get it going in the playoffs. Didn't get a big enough role. So I think Kyle's biggest job is to bring in veteran guys that are going to be able to contribute come playoff time. The, the whole thing with uh, those guys, well, outside of Simmons, because Simmons got paid a little bit more than a million, but the Thorntons was that they were here, and Spezza still wants to be here, so it doesn't apply to him. So he hasn't been turned off by this. Yeah. But do you think that the, the, the recent narrative and the playoff failures and the vitriol of the fan base has anything to do with the potential of getting those guys on the, the smaller deals, the, the, the fringe guys, the veterans, who are maybe trying to return home, do you think the, the narrative, the news cycle, has impacted the ability to go get those guys? I wouldn't think so. I mean, when, when you have a core like the Leafs have and, and, you know, the best goal, the purest goal scorer in the NHL, um, you know, Morgan Riley on the back end, mm-hmm. I mean, they, they got so many good pieces there that, you know, I, I'm just going to put myself, if I was still a veteran guy and, and I'm, you know, they offered me a one-year 750 or something to come back to Toronto, I would jump at the opportunity. I think, because think about it, as you guys know, you know, imagine the daily, they, they will win the Stanley Cup again someday. And, and can you imagine, you'll be a legend in that city for the rest of your life. You'll never buy a beer or have to buy dinner ever again. So mm-hmm. um, I do think there's guys out there that would come to Toronto for a discount because listen, we all know they have pieces. It's just, it's a learning experience. They're learning. You just got to hope they learn from it, boys. And I think they will. Yeah. I just think that the, the other part of it is, guys look at it and say is this really worth it like if a guy like joe thornton who is universally beloved in hockey who's one of the best 100 players of all time one of the most popular leaders of all time and i don't think that the criticism of him ever got unfair but it became pretty clear early on that everyone started saying hey that guy can't move hey that guy's done hey joe thornton can't play he's done he's done he's done I, I don't know. I, I don't know how guys think about that stuff in terms of showing up here and then being the center of attention. Like, I don't think everybody's built like Joe Thornton where they can just take that, it rolls off the shoulders, and he's like, ah, I don't care, I'm going to Switzerland and play more hockey. <laughs> that, is, <clears throat> that is a great point by you, and, and uh, Jumbo's such a fun-loving guy, and a beauty, and just loves right. going to the rank. Um, 
I mean, it's just too bad you guys, you know, the least didn't have Jumbo two years ago or three years ago even, right? That, that, he would have been the perfect guy to bring in. It's just, unfortunately, he, he is he is too slow now and he is done. But if he tried to come here and give it a go because he needed veteran experience, and I'll, I'll, you know, I tip my hat to him. And um, sure. <clears throat> But it is what it is. I just think... It's another big offseason for for Kyle Dubas. I mean, well, let's see what else what he goes and gets. I know it'll be a flat cap, but they just need some guys that you know come playoff time can, you know, look at Corey Perry. I know you guys don't want to hear it because he's wearing a Habs uniform, but Perry's just done it the last two years for Dallas and Montreal. I don't know. You got to find guys like that. Yeah, somebody told us that he begged to be here, so yeah, it sucked yeah. that he was in the other uniform scoring goals. It sucked. Yeah. Hey, uh, your guys' podcast <laughs> is amazing. Uh, I think you guys have some of the best Instagram content going right now, some of the best social stuff. Like, I was dying. I love the John Michael Lyle stuff, his Phil Kessel st- stories recently. Like, again, yeah, you're right. Like, that that should just be a podcast is everybody that's played with Phil Kessel comes and gives their best Phil Kessel story, and you animate it, and, like, that's it. That's the whole thing. That's the whole show. There's nothing else. I would subscribe to that. It would be number one of everything. But, yeah, you guys are doing a killer job, man. Keep it going. And, uh, yeah, we're fans. Yeah, I appreciate it, boys. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, when he tells that story about Phil telling Randy Carlisle if he takes the yeah. if he takes the Coke and Pepsi away, I'm not playing, yeah. Randy. I was yeah. I was dying, boys. Yeah. <laughs> anytime, yeah. anytime, fellas, you let me know. You guys are beauties. Thanks for having me. All right, See you, buddy. Shane. Shane O'Brien, former NHL defenseman, and the podcast yeah. is missing curfew. There's two reasons why you should have. There should be a Phil Kessel podcast, and I'm kind of giving away a golden goose million dollar idea here. If I'm Phil Kessel, it's just like you know, those, you ho- you know, Phil Kessel, you host it, and then you bring on your former teammates to all tell you their favorite story about yeah. you as they do your voice, right? And because everyone does the voice, right. tell Randy. Yeah, That's yeah. the best part of Michael Lyles telling that story. If he wants to come weigh me, yeah, it's great. It actually, it's the voice that Michael Lyles does is almost Letterkenny-ish. That's the thing. It's like the Phil Kessel voice almost feels like a character on Letterkenny. It's so great. It's so, so great. Sucks that things went so south here in a way because we just never got that kind of give back from guys. The guys weren't as open with it because his exit was so tumultuous that I think it was guarded. Now we're starting to get those things, and they're really, really good. Yeah. So to Shane O'Brien... Killer Instinct is clearly going to dirty areas and being willing to sacrifice in the playoffs and being willing to stay in dirty areas and go back there repeatedly. And I can't say that I disagree with a lot of that. I don't think it's binary. I don't think it's black and white. I don't think it's the only thing. I don't think that the only thing holding Marner back is like a fear of a corner or finishing a check. But the way I'm looking at what he said is, you don't get more killer instinct by losing a guy who fearlessly glows to the net and will stand there and eat Shea Weber cross-checks, no matter how many they are, if it means potentially scoring a goal. Could Zach Hyman have been better? Yes. Is Zach Hyman going to be a risky contract going into ages 30, 31, 32 at $5-plus million? You betcha. But just tell me how the Leafs... That's all I want to know, is how are the Leafs getting better from here? Because this is my entire thing. It's not about attacking. It's not about making things personal. It's not about anything other than what needs to happen for your team to get better. You're not just simply getting to run it back. The team was well over the salary cap, and they were in an unbelievably fortuitous position when it came to their division and the, what the roadmap was for them to go forward. So now, with more difficult circumstances, a flat salary cap, 
and Zach Hyman's pending free agency, just explain to me how they get better without making a real monumental shift to the core. That's all I want to know. I've yet to hear it. I'll tell you how. You trade away your number one defenseman. (laughs) I don't know. No, I have no idea because that's like, hey, man, that's how you free up five million bucks. Somehow a guy that's a year away from free agency in in Morgan Riley, who, again, like has his flaws, but was one of those guys that showed up in the postseason. And again, does play the most minutes of anybody on this hockey team. Mm -hmm. Uh, The one thing I will say, though, is we've had conversations in the past about the path to making this team better even after the five-game series loss to the Columbus Blue Jackets, and they managed to do it. They brought in T.J. Brody. They, they revamped that blue line. The blue line was not a problem. It really wasn't. And sure, okay, mm-hmm. would you like to get tougher? I mean, Zach Bogosian was supposed to bring some of that. But uh, I, Brandon Pridham has managed to figure out a way to get along the edges of the salary cap. So I don't, I don't see it, but they do, I guess. Dubas and Pridham could win executives of the year if they just come out of this offseason with a team where we all look at it and go, mm, like, they're, I feel better about this year's team than I did about last year's team, even if you think that they have a shot. Um, just an update on the Hyman thing. So his agent, Todd Reynolds, has said that the $5 million AAV is not accurate, and Frank Cervelli, who didn't give that report, again, it was Jason Greger, the rumor, and he said it was a rumor, said that it's also inaccurate. So I, I don't think the Leafs have offered him $5 million bucks. That does change things. Maybe what they're saying is if he does get offered $5 million bucks, he'll stay. Who knows? But either way, I, it's hard to imagine it being less than that number. It really, 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 really is. Yeah, unless he really, like, he wants to be the first active player to go on to Legends Row. He's like, that's what mm-hmm. you do. You put me in there. People get to touch my head in bronze and then go inside yeah. the building and watch me. He could take 4.9. 4.9 and Legends Row immediately. Oh, dude, but, but that was the thing about Marner. It's like, Marner, you don't have to take $2 million. Take, mm-hmm. com, like, more than you're worth at nine. Take $9 million, Mitch Marner, and it would have been fine. And you, you just been couldn't a, do it. Yep. Not uh, have the target on your back. All right, we'll be back on Monday. Bye-bye.